If you're a pro, you know that this is not efficient because you know there's a better way. There's also a better way to save. When pro customers buy building supplies in bulk at Lowe's, they save up to 20% every day. Buy in bulk and save up to 20% on concrete, gypsum, and gypsum accessories. At Lowe's, buy more, save more. Visit the Pro Desk or Lowe'sForPros.com for details. Discount applies to contract to pack items. Minimum purchase required, U.S. only. You are locked on Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast, share the podcast, tweet it, Facebook it, tell a friend, Dropbox it. I don't know. There's a lot of things you can do. So do it. I would really appreciate it. It's Opponent Wednesday, week two. The Atlanta Falcons. This is a team that ended the Packers season last year in unceremonious fashion if you're a Packers fan. And so Charles McDonald is here to break down the Falcons. At 4Verts on Twitter is, is how you most likely know him. He also writes at Setting the Edge. He does a podcast um, at Setting the Edge, which is great, and you should listen to it. You should listen to it in addition to this show. I want to remind you, that there is also content that you should be consuming over at SB Nation. The Acme Packing Company blog is your best resource for Packers coverage. They are on it always. And for more NFL coverage, including Packers coverage, go to FanRag Sports. I'm writing there. If that's not a selling point, there's a ton of other really talented writers writing there. So please go and do that. And with that, I want to get into our opponent breakdown because there is so much to talk about in the Atlanta Falcons. Charles McDonald is is a great Falcons resource, and he he is honest. When I'm bringing in other people to break down these teams, I don't want to bring on someone who is just a fan, a blind fan, and says, they're going to be better, they're going to win, the Packers suck. No. That is not the way... Uh, that that's not the way I view Green Bay when when they're playing, and it's not the way that I want I want another team to be presented to you. And I think he offers a, a very insightful perspective, but also an honest one, uh, honest with himself and honest about the team because there are some flaws, but the team the team is a very very good one. It is going to be really difficult for the Packers to go on the road in a brand new stadium, open it up on national television. And win a game because Atlanta's going to be hyped for it. But that's okay. An early season test to show what you're made of. Week one, week two, you're talking about possibly the three best teams in the NFC. So you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. So let's bring in Charles now to talk about the Falcons and what the Packers need to do to beat them. Charles, thanks for joining Locked on Packers. Well, thanks for having me, Peter. Uh, it's really good to be on. Glad we're back into the regular season and talking about real football. You know, feels good. 
Yeah, we spent enough time. We spent six months. We almost spend more time talking about fake football than real football, it seems like. Yeah, I was I was excited for the preseason, but after a, like a week or two, you realize, man, this is is not the same thing, and it, <laughs> it, 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 it's just it's good to be back. Like I feel like every year we psych ourselves up into getting pumped for preseason football, and then after yeah. a while, we're like, oh yeah, this is still preseason football. But oh yeah, that's right, this is barely NFL football. Yeah, but we're back in the swing of things, and it feels good. Yeah, for sure. So we're going to talk about the Atlanta Falcons today. And they were a team last year that I don't want to say they came out of nowhere because a team with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones to be really good offensively. That's not a surprise. But what changed last year that made them this just like unstoppable force? Well, I think it was uh, it, it had to be year two of Matt Ryan and Kyle Shanahan's offense. And then, you know, adding guys like Alex Mack and Taylor Gabriel, and Muhammad Sanu. Because what happened in 2015, uh, at least I think, is like Kyle Shanahan, I thought he was good from a schematic standpoint, but they just didn't have the horses to run what he wanted to do on offense. You know, they had Roddy White as the number two receiver. Leonard, They were messing around with Leonard Hankerson, who's out of the league right now. Both those guys are out of the league. Uh, and they, they really had to do a lot of shuffling on the offensive line. They had uh, guys like Mike Person starting at center, who was, uh, I think, on the Chiefs pra- who was on the Chiefs practice squad uh, last season. So you, you got Alex Max, new Gabriel, you had year two of Matt Ryan in that scheme, and they just kind of exploded. And I, I remember there was uh, an article on The Ringer, I think it was last summer, right before the season, where Matt Ryan was talking about, uh, he, he was saying, you know, uh, to Kyle Shanahan in 2015, he was saying, once I get this down, we're going to kill people. And he got it down. <laughs> they added Alex Mack and all those other guys, and they shredded people. And it was kind of a surprise to me because going into the season, I, I, I was expecting the offense to be better just because they had just an out-of-character funk for them the year before. But I was not expecting like that entire just explosion where where we got to a point last season where I was expecting a touchdown on every single drive. Like that's how that's how pro- prolific they were. That's how good they were. And uh, it it, ha- it sucked to see. It sucked that it ended the way that it did. But uh, it it was still one of the most fun I've ever had watching the Falcons. Yeah, we don't. We I won't. I won't do you like that. And we won't talk about the <laughs> Super Bowl very much. But they went from twenty eighth in weighted DVOA offense to second. That is unreal. Like teams don't do that. No, it and just like if you, and if you go to uh, Football Outsiders and look at the wide receiver DVOA rankings, they have the number one and number two receivers in the league based on on DVOA. Uh, Taylor Gabriel is number one in terms of receivers with at least fifty targets, and Julio Jones is number two. So obviously, you don't really expect to see that uh, type of production replicate itself because it's it's just almost impossible. But Man, right. it, it's it was crazy to see what they were able to do last year, and you know, at first in the season, I thought it was kind of a mirage because, you know, I, I don't know, it just didn't seem realistic that like they were just torching all these teams. And then once they hit the Broncos game uh, at Denver, and they just went in and just steamrolled the Broncos defense. I was like, okay, like this might actually be real. Yeah. And then week after week that. after week after week, like it just never stopped. And like I, I. I hope that the Falcons have an offense like that efficient sometime in my lifetime because that was that was just unbelievably fun to watch. 
And there was that game at Seattle that they probably should have won or at least had a better chance to win given the dubious officiating at the end of the game. We're not, let's not spend the whole yeah. podcast talking about <laughs> things that might hurt your feelings. I didn't mean, to, oh, I didn't mean my, to bring it up. My feelings are not, they can't be hurt anymore after what happened. In this <laughs> I am dead on the inside. <laughs> I understand that. So I am someone who, for, for a number of years now, I would say, ha, has been a big fan of Kyle Shanahan. So now we go from Shanahan to, to Sharkeesian offensively. And so how big, a, how big an impact do you think that's going to be? Because I personally think it matters more than maybe 90% of offensive coordinator changes that would happen in a given year. Yeah, it definitely matters. Uh just because I, I I don't think there are fans who think that Shanahan's a bum because of what happened in the Super Bowl, but you're not looking at the whole sample size of what he did in that entire season. Like you can't you can't whittle down right. you can't whittle down his career in Atlanta to one quarter of one game as big as that game might right. have been. Uh, yeah, I, I think Sarkeesian is a downgrade, but you know they're going to run the same type of scheme they still they're still bringing back an immensely talented offense i i, I think what's going to have to what's, what you're going to have to look at and and see what changes is what's the situational play calling going to be like because that's where Shanahan was sure. was excellent and you know we haven't seen enough of Sarkeesian to have uh i guess a firm opinion on that at that point but i i, I just you just can't realistically expect it to be as good, but you know, you're still returning an offense as Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, uh, three good offensive linemen, Levitri is solid too. Uh, those running backs, like, there's only a floor of how bad you can actually be, barring like a catastrophic injury to Matt Ryan or Julio Jones. So, I, I still expect it to be a top five unit, and uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see if the if the defense can kind of step up to match however much the offense regresses. Yeah, and we're going to get to the defense a little bit later, but I want to talk about Devontae Foreman first. Or, excuse me, Devontae Freeman. There's too many too many guys with yeah. similar names. <laughs> yeah, I'm, and I'm getting old. Not, no, not, not really. Um, but so he, he said he wanted to get paid like a big-time running back. He got paid like a big-time running back. Is he a big-time running back? Yeah, I think he's a big-time running back. Now, it is kind of interesting to see that, or we'll see this year, like how much of that was Shanahan because his rookie year, he was not very yeah. good. And then he just kind of exploded when Shanahan and Bobby Turner got there. Uh, so I, I think that's going to be interesting to see. I still think he's a really a talented guy. He's not the most athletic guy, but he's really shifty in the open field. And I think he has a really natural feel for uh, making guys miss and looking at running lanes and exploiting them. Uh, I think the interesting thing about the contract is that they have a potential out after the 2019 season, which is right mm -hmm. about the time that Tevin Coleman will be hitting the market. He'll be hitting the market the year sure. before. So you, you, you still kind of have that decision if you want to run with Freeman or Coleman, or maybe you cut Sanu and you keep both. Uh, but yeah, I, I think he earned his contract extension and in the way that it's structured, you can get out of it after two or three seasons. So I, I really like the guy. I think he's great for you know the greater Atlanta community. And I'm, I was really pumped for him. All right, so let's get to the defensive side of the ball. You brought that up earlier. I think there's a there's an expectation that defensively they're going to get better with Desmond Trufant, although they were better in the second half of the year last year without Trufant. You assume without their best defensive player, they're not going to get better. So this is not a case, right, where they are in some weird way better without Trufant. 
No, they're they're going to be better with Trufant. Uh, I I think Trufant's like a, a top ten corner in the league, and getting him back mm-hmm. is going to be huge. But I I also think a lot of what a lot of that pass defense improving towards the back half of the year was the teams that they were playing. So you know you start off the season yep. and you play you know the Panthers, the Saints, Packers, Chargers, uh, and you kind of get shredded on by those teams passing offenses, and then. After Trufant got hurt, they played the 49ers, the Rams, uh, the Panthers when Cam Newton was all hobbled at the end of the season. Like, it, it, it was a, a bit of a less grinding or, 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 you know. Great offenses. What are you talking about? <laughs> right, exactly. So, you know, it, it, you would hope that they can make that jump and kind of dominate some of those lesser passing offenses. But getting Trufant back is definitely going to help, uh, especially when you look at, you know, the offenses they're going to have to play this year. You, you have the Saints, Panthers, Bucks in division, and they're going to play the Packers again. They're going to play the uh, the Cowboys again, or they're going to play Cowboys this year. So having him back to kind of go against some of those top-tier receivers will, will definitely help a lot. And it, it, it's the the part that hurt was uh, losing Jalen Collins to that suspension because I was really impressed with his play when Trufant went down. I thought he stepped up big time, and having him, Brian Poole, and Robert Alford coming back uh, for another season was going to be huge to add back to add Des- Desmond Trufant back into that mix. But Collins is gone for the suspension, and uh, let's just hope that nobody gets hurt because I think the depth behind that is a little bit thin. Is is Vic Beasley as good as his numbers say he is? Uh, no, but I, I mean, leading the league in sacks is nothing to sneeze at. But I I, I do think that if you just look at the Ross the Ross sack numbers, you get a little bit of a misrepresentation of how talented he is. So like the, the problem with, with Vic Beasley is he, he's kind of like a baseball player who hits 250, but those hits are all bombs. Like his, right. his pressure percentage was not very high, but when you look at the amount of pressures that he was converting into sacks, like that was by far, like I think it was one of the highest marks in the league per pro football focus, or maybe it was the highest mark in the league. So, I, I, I hopefully you can get to a spot where he's getting pressure on a more consistent basis and maybe that sack percentage comes down. But if you can get to a spot where you're influencing uh, the quarterback more often than he was last year, then I, that that's fine. Like if he has 10 sacks this year, but he has more, more pressures per snap uh, per pass rush basis. I, I think that that would be an improved season for him. He had 15 and a half sacks last year, six forced fumbles. 39 total tackles, so almost a little bit less than one out of every two of his tackles were sacks last year. Yeah, and I don't think he's necessarily a bad run defender, but they they don't really use him in in that manner. So, you know, I, I hope that... And he's small. Yeah, and, and he's small. You know, he, he played last year on like... By defensive end standards, let's be clear. He's he's still, by by human being standards, he's 6'3", 246. He's a huge human being. Yeah, and, you know, during the season... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I mean, for normal people, that's still a massive human being. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, but, you know... If you saw him on the street, you'd be like, wow, that dude is huge. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, with his weight, like, it fluctuates during the season. Like, I think he said... Uh, before this preseason, he, he, his weight was anywhere from like 235 to 240 throughout the season. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's something some of these younger pass rushers. Same. <laughs> I was a little bit below that, but yeah, maybe I think. Yeah, not really, but my weight definitely fluctuates throughout the course of the my season. My weight fluctuated throughout the, <laughs> the, the course of the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
sure your blood alcohol <laughs> level did as oh, well. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so the thing about about the Falcons is, despite the fact that Vic Beasley is is really good, yeah, and despite you know not maybe not being fifteen and a half sacks good, is they were twenty fourth in in adjusted sack rate last year. So as a team, they didn't rush the passer particularly well. That's why you have Tack McKinley coming in. Dentari Poe should make that better. How much better do you think they are this year versus last year as a as a pass pass rush unit? I think they're I think they're a lot better this year because when you look at what happened to their defensive line last year, they had uh, Dwight Freeney, you know, who's a future Hall of Famer, obviously first ballot probably. You know, he he, he started the sure. season strong, but then when you had injuries to Derek Shelby and Adrian Claiborne and you kind of had to take, you had to take Freeney off of that pitch count and play him more like an every down player. You saw that he just didn't have the legs to go 16 games uh, like he used to be able to. So I, I think when you get Adrian Claiborne back for hopefully a full season, you get Derek Shelby back for hopefully a full season, you add really athletic guys like Tack McKinley, Don Terry Poe, Jack Crawford to come in and compete with, uh, Grady Jarrett and Vic Beasley. I, I just I love the upside that that unit has, and I, I think that this is a year like you, you finally start to see Grady Jarrett develop into that interior pass rusher that we all thought he could be coming out of Clemson, and we all saw he had three sacks in the Super Bowl. He's rushed the passer really well in the preseason so far. So you know, I, I think it's a group with a lot of upside, a lot of athleticism, and hopefully this is a year that it, that that defensive line really starts to put it together, and and you see Quinn's uh, Quinn's philosophy to get come as come together as a team. Let it be known that you brought up the Super Bowl for the second time. I did not. Okay, <laughs> I gotta give I gotta give Gray Jarrett props where uh, where he deserves it. <laughs> no, he was he was great in the Super Bowl, Charles. Thank you so much for joining Locked on Packers. And uh, maybe we will we will have you on again if there is a Packers-Falcons rematch in the, in the NFC playoffs, so that, which is certainly a possibility given the way the NFC could shake out. Yeah, thanks for having me on. That's it for this week on Locked on Packers. I want to thank, again, Charles McDonald for coming in at 4Verts on Twitter. Please do follow him, especially around NFL draft time. Uh, he is uh, just a tremendous person to be following to get your your prospect fix pop culture discussions there's a ton of good stuff going on on his twitter timeline so so please do check that out also check out the acme packing company blog on sb nation check out the nfl section on FanRag sports and check out me on twitter please at peter underscore bukowski i would appreciate it remember subscribe to the podcast rate it on itunes tell a friend about it um, try Locked On NFL, Locked On NBA, Locked On Bucks. It's great. Check it out. Uh, this is the last podcast of the week, so this will serve as our preview. And we will be back Monday, a full slate of podcasts for week three, Monday through Thursday. That will be our that will be our schedule moving forward. And I'm really excited to bring that content to you. So let's get into it. It is week two, Packers Falcons. Enjoy the game and stay locked on Packers.
Is Democracy in Danger or Decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst.